0: The first era podcast episode one greetings and salutations earthlings my name is scott and i'm your host for the first era podcast this being episode one allow me to explain this podcast is all about the first era play-by-email game We might throw in some other happenings in the Trek community, but the focus is all about enhancing the community feel of being in TFE. I want you to get involved. If you have the capability of making a decent-sounding MP3 file and wish to submit something for the podcast, feel free to send it in. The planned release schedule for the show is every two months. Also, you can contact the show via email or voicemail. We'll cover the contact information towards the end of the show. Thanks for downloading and listening. To kick things off, I'm going to ask a trivia question about Star Trek. Now, before you go warp speed to planet Google, I'll tell you the answer by the end of the show. Here's the question. What drink did Reed and Trip share when they believed they would die? Again, the answer will be at the end of today's show. This part of the show will highlight the different awards and news that affected everyone fleet wide. For example, on January 4th, Lieutenant Jason Cantrell was awarded the Pre-Antares Medal of Commendation for the way he helped out and kept the Academy going through the autumn of 2157. On January 19th, Rear Admiral Susanna Batenburg sent out the New Year's Fleet Address with the goals and aims for the coming year. On January 25th, the Commander and crew of the Challenger were awarded a Starfleet Superior Unit Award. The sim went through a rough patch last year but the crew and the new seal rallied to save the sim and make it an example for the rest of the first era to follow. We also have from the sims various awards and promotions. We'll start with New Darwin Colony. The following officers and civilians were awarded the Starfleet letter of commendation. Lieutenant Sam Fisher, Lieutenant Jamie Lynn Hayden, Lieutenant Junior Grade Clive Youngblood, Atavary Randy, and Thomas Garraway. On February 23rd, Lieutenant Commander Kareem Moritai finished the command course receiving both the Silver Solar Flare and the gold solar flare. Sam Fisher, on February 27th, was promoted from Lieutenant to Lieutenant Commander. And also on that date, he was awarded his two years service device. Now we'll move on to the Challenger. On January 20th, Lieutenant Commander Conrad Cole, the acting commanding officer, was promoted to the actual commanding officer of the sim. Also in the months of January and February, Crewman Kane was promoted to Petty Officer Third Class. Ensign Nelson was promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade. Ensign Zepp was promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade. And Lieutenant Junior Grade Gerstort was promoted to Lieutenant. Some awards were handed out. Lieutenant Wash received a one year of service device. Lieutenant Hanley received a second year of service device. Lieutenant Gerstort received a one year of service device. Petty Officer Third Class Kane received a purple heart ribbon and again challenger received the superior unit award now looking at the yorktown we see that there was an in-character promotion to lieutenant junior grade boyle He began the year being promoted to the out-of-character executive officer. Lt. Cameron and Lt. War Qadar were given the Starfleet Citation for Conspicuous Bravery. Dr. Prax was given the Starfleet Letter of Commendation. Lt. Junior Grade Boyle was given the Priantary ribbon of Commendation First Class. Also on the Meridian. We see that Lieutenant Timo Van Hansen passed the SOT on January 20th, and the following awards were given February 9th. Commander Katrina Davidson was given the Starfleet Silver Cross, the Pre-Antares Ribbon of Commendation First Class, Lieutenant Commander Judah Montero was given the Starfleet citation for conspicuous bravery and Starfleet Medal of Commendation. Lieutenant Commander Ian Fraser was given the Bronze Starfleet Cross, the Preantaris Ribbon of Commendation, first class. Lieutenant Timo van Hansen was given the bronze Starfleet Cross, the Preitorious Ribbon of Commendation second class. Now if I missed any promotions or awards given in January or February of this year, please let me know. Again, the contact information will be given at the end of the show. Thanks.
1: Is your crew bored? <sighs> Do they sit all day behind a navigation console or looking into a science viewer, hoping something interesting will happen? Do they fall asleep halfway through their shift without warning? We can help! We have the answer! Who are we? Exploding Consoles Incorporated! Forget the antiquated technology of yesteryear, like fuses, Why Thomas Edison was using those in the 1880s. No, we've come a long way since then. (laughs) Using state-of-the-art fireworks and controlled electrical discharge, you no longer have to wait until enemy attack for your console to explode. You can set the timer up to 12 hours in advance. Or, for some real thrills, Set the time to random, and just watch the sparks fly. Literally. <laughs> See your crew work fast and furiously to get their work done. Marvel at the pyrotechnic display, as in quick succession, each embedded explosion packet ignites and burns for up to five to seven seconds. Not only will your crew keep on their toes, but the sick face slump will be no more. Think of the expertise they'll gain in treating second and third degree burns. If you order within the next solar cycle, you'll get at no additional charge two, count them two, collapsible stretchers at no extra cost. (laughs) Visit our data site today. Satisfaction guaranteed. How can you lose?
0: Now it's time for the interview portion of our show. In making the choice for the first interview guest, the choice was obvious. Susie has been an active member of TFE as long as anyone playing. She has worked in the academy, on every sim, is the current fleet commander and fleet ops commander. I talked with her about TFE, where it is, where it's going. I hope you enjoy the interview. This is the first podcast. This is the first interview. We've got some learning to do, and I have to admit, a little fanboy nature got called Caught up in there. I was very nervous to talk to her, but I think the interview came out very well, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, it's a genuine pleasure for me to talk with you. I want to say that up front.
2: You're welcome. It's always interesting uh, to talk to to the SimWorks. Are you ready for some
0: questions? Yeah, probably. If you'd like to tell us about yourself, how you got involved with the first era, what you do, all the different hats you wear. Oh, gosh. uh, (laughs) the, The basic things.
2: Right. I got involved in the first era through Hawk also known as Fleet Captain Hawk. He's a very old friend of mine that I have known this year for 10 years and I met when I st- first started simming and we were both in something called UCIP. UCIP. I'd gotten fairly high up in the organization there, was about to resign as, or I resigned as Starfleet Commander. He'd been my deputy there and Starfleet Commander there was not the big boss but the Starfleet Division was at the time the biggest division within U- the UCIP. He started talking about the first era round that he was starting as sim there and Hulk is one of the very best storytellers I know. One of the best CEOs that I learned virtually everything from. When he started about that, I was like, I want to be on your sim. So I knew he didn't know any HTML skills. And I said, you know, for a position on your sim, I'll, uh, I'll make you a website. How's that? So that's how I got started in, uh, in TFE on the Yorktown. Cause he started in Yorktown and I was first chief science officer and then I became XO and then he did this disappearing act, which he does on a regular basis, took over as CEO and he'd been deputy st- fleet commander for James, who had be, who was the fleet command, the first fleet commander. So I took over that role as well. And then when James resigned as fleet commander, I ended up in that role. So that's how I got started in in, in
0: TFE. And so that's what you're doing now?
2: Well, I've stepped down in between and, and we had John as fleet commander for a while uh, with Rob uh, because I had some other priorities. I was still COing in, in the group, but I wasn't fleet commander. And then John's real life got too busy and Rob's as well. And I ended up stepping, stepping back up to fleet command again. That was in October 2006 or so. Okay. And so what character played over the years? Over the I started with Suzerun, which was a Vulcan, the Vulcan science officer. But when Hawk resigned, or took his extended leave of absence, as I always call it, because somehow... Sooner or later, he'll be back. There wouldn't be a Vulcan in charge of a a human ship at that point in time. We're talking about 2152. Yeah. So I created the Susanna Battenberg character as a Captain-level CO uh, to take over the Sim. Around the same sort of time, I created Amy Da Silva, purely for the Academy. And the Amy Da Silva name... Was used in UCIP as well, in, in, in a similar sort of role. Those two characters are very similar, just different era more than anything. The Susanna Battenberg character I consider my primary character. In between, I've also played Julie McKenzie, mainly for the academy, or whenever I needed to step in into a role where we needed a command officer. Except at one point, I was running Jupiter Station. On the Yorktown, there was a problem with the CO. He fell, Bill fell ill. Uh, he actually died of cancer in the end, but towards the end of of his, his illness. He couldn't CO anymore, and I ended up helping out. The XO was pretty good, I just didn't know the guy at all, and he had a fairly low rank, so. I said, you know, we'll put Julie in. I'll run Julie for a couple months. And as soon as, we, you know, the ship is settled, I'll turn over the character to you. And then another couple of months later, we can move your character up itself. So that's how we, we gradually build that up. So Julie jumps into any any place where we need a temporary command officer, basically. I've played with some semi-NPCs. I have Ellen Hollyway. She played a science officer. I've got, I've got a Susanna Blockpool, which was actually the name of my primary character that I originally started simming with. And I've got her as a lieutenant jr at the moment she's on new darwin but i don't really play her that much at the moment so those are the main characters
0: you have quite the memory Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. Well, I, simming is my biggest hobby, so to speak. Yeah, my characters live in my mind, I guess.
0: I understand. What are your plans? Where do you see the first era game going?
2: We had a rough time this last year. And we lost. We nearly lost two sims. In the end, we only suspended one of them. The challenge really pulled back. So more than anything, I want to get back to six sims. That's my first goal. So above all, we need new members, new recruits, more people joining the, the first era. Because it is a really fun place to sim. We have some really good writers out there. So above all, I wanna I wanna get that going again and get the, the intrepid back up in action. At the moment, we're fairly short of command officers, but if we can in, you know increase the pool of simmers, we can increase the pool. You know, you, not everybody is is gonna be coing material, but if we have a bigger pool of simmers, then the percentages of even if say 5% is command material the number is going to be higher if, if there's 50 simmers or if if there's 100 simmers so that's that's my my main priority is is going to be the, yeah recruitment getting people going again keeping the sims that we have stable
0: those, that's excellent. Let's say someone is thinking about joining the game or they're new to the game. What advice would you give?
2: Have fun. We are somebody, we have fairly high standards. We do have an academy, even for people that have tons of experience in, in other places. To me, the academy is, is important. We have already adapted it and made it in some ways easier is the wrong word, but simpler to get going. In the past, when we started the academy, we had people, first we had did a theory exam just to get the basics down, to make sure everybody understood we were in the first era. Because I still read about replicators every now and again. For instance, we don't have replicators. Uh, or, uh, you know, it's little things like that. And that's the little things that exactly make us this era. And which is the fun part. Uh, well, I think so, anyway. Then again, I drive old timers for for fun. So. so we have a basic theory exam. We're asking some IC questions. We're asking also some OOC questions. Because every sim group has their own way of doing things. There are sim groups out there that say, you cannot write for another character on the sim. No way, you're not allowed to. We're saying, yeah, you can, but be careful. You know, only use it in a minimal. And if the CO wants to have a character say, yes, sir, or no, sir, or yes, I'll get onto that, the CO can do that. It's little things like that. And and that's some of the OEC questions that we say, you know, yeah, we recommend joint logs, but it doesn't always have to be a joint log. Sometimes the CO needs to be able to just say, okay, we're moving forward and, and use some characters for a little bit. Of course he can't write whole logs for for another character. So we're, we're a fun place to be and we have this academy, so we're doing a theory exam. And in the past, when we started with the academy, we had people actually sim at the academy. They were cadets and we're giving a simulation and, you know, we put them in a class and we had them sim it out. It was a lot of fun and it was also... It gave us a really good opportunity to already handpick people like, Ooh, look, he's shown a lot of command abilities. Or, you know, he's gonna need a bit more help. You could see, even in within a little academy environment, because we'd re- let them run through simulation and put the cadets in charge in a simulator room. A bit like the Wrath of Khan start, where, you know, you've got the cadets in, in, uh, on the bridge of the Enterprise. You could really see, you know, who was taking charge of the, of the little plot they were having and how it was playing out. But on the other hand, that took four or five weeks before then, between applying, a cadet would get to the sim. So what we've done over time is we said we need the cadets quicker on the sims. We we still have the theory exam because that just gives us a basic standard, and then we ask them to write a log or to one at least one log. If that log is up to standard, then we're saying okay, they they you know they can write a log. We'll send them okay, you're graduated and you go to the sim. If the log isn't up to standard, then we'll ask them to do another log and another log until we we're happy that they know what a log is and what, what is expected in the log. But there's there's people out there that say let's go come in and say like oh but I have 10 years experience and uh, you know, I don't think I should be doing an Academy. And I'm like, well, yeah, you've got 10 years experience, but in your way of simming, that doesn't necessarily mean you know our way of simming. And we happen to like our way of simming and it's a pretty good way. We're open to suggestions if you want to do things differently, but first you do our way of simming. And then if there's ways to improve it, I'm, a, I'm all ears for that. And it also, if people are prepared to do the exam and then just write the log, do the theory exam, just answer the questions, it shows a commitment towards the group. And I think that's very important.
0: The Academy has been streamlined to get people yes. in there competent people in there quicker
2: exactly what right. we want to do is we want to get in principle we want people on the sims as fast as possible because that's what they're joining up for they don't join up to do a four weeks academy class on one hand that's a fun way of doing it on the other hand You know it was taking too long and that's why we streamlined it okay while at the same time not not undermining the standards that we hold ourselves to
0: exactly well is there anything else you'd like to mention
2: we're always looking for new recruits we're always looking for volunteers i mean i've put a lot of time and effort in this organization and uh, and i really love it i mean uh, it's my main hobby i'm uh, it's a a creative outlet because I work full-time and I don't take my work home as a result of Simmer. It really is for me, you know, I leave my work at work because when I come home, I disappear into my mind. Well, maybe it's a fantasy world, but it's, you know, the, the other thing is that I have met so many of the Simmers from usip as well as from TV already there's some really nice people i know the other thing is that i've met people that i would never have met any other way if it hadn't been for simming because they're in totally different parts of life their own lives they're either younger or older or they're in totally different profession different countries that's what it makes it fascinating to me because i mean we have people in england in germany at one point we had people in holland we've had somebody from colombia we've had u.s Canadians, Australians, New Zealand, we have them, all, you name it, we've got them. Including people from who English isn't their first language.
0: TFE's had a, a broad appeal to many different age ranges.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Culture. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, uh, currently probably one of the oldest in the group. If Hawk was active, he'd be older. I like to rub his nose into that sometimes but we have students we have teenagers we have uh people in their mid-20s we have people in their 30s it's a a very broad range different different countries different different backgrounds i mean i have an engineering background there's people that are computer freaks there's there's a couple people that are just writers we have kate for instance she's she's into animals she's an artist she's she's a She's a writer She she paints She's into dogs The backgrounds Are so wide ranging It's fascinating for me
0: Great There's anything else You want to mention or add?
2: Mainly, mainly If there are people That want to volunteer We need people in the academy We need people Stepping up Helping out Webmasters We've got somebody Stepping up That is helping us out With our wiki And in very you know, different areas. We're always looking for volunteers and for people stepping up, definitely. And if anybody knows of somebody who is interested in simming tell them about us. Ask them to join us. Well, thank you so
0: much for coming on and, and being willing to be my first victim. I'm a first guest.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fourth part of our podcast is going to be an in-character feature of a sim. We're going to talk about uh, this time the Meridian, the NX-06. Now obviously you know how to get to its website, but if you haven't done so, check out the impressive video they have linked to on YouTube. It's a very good Web 2.0 way of advertising the Sims. Very well done. Check it out. You can get to it right from their main page. Their roster includes Acting Captain Commander Roger Finney, Commander Katrina Davidson as the Chief Science Officer and Executive Officer, Lieutenant Commander Ian Frazier as their Chief Armory Officer, Lieutenant Timo Van Hansen as Chief Engineer, and Lieutenant Junior grade zoe sanderson as their helm officer we notice from their logo that the blue border symbolizes peaceful goals the triangle shape represents arrow always pointing up the direction of our goals the bold typeface spelling the ship's name implies the bold nature in which they strive to achieve their goals. And the starfield, devoid of anything else, represents deep space and the destinations they will reach. By the end of February, they had over 3,600 messages or posts in the archive, which started June 18th, 2002. <laughs>
1: This is your Star Trek movie update. Hello, I'm Redshirt Girl. If you're eager for information regarding the new Star Trek movie, visit StarTrekMovie.com. The information is limited, however, they do have an active form. From IMDb, we see the cast is quickly becoming a who's who of Hollywood celebrities. As an example, we have Chris Pine playing as Kirk, Zachary Quinto as Spock, Eric Banner as Nero, Winona Ryder as Amanda Grayson, Lena Needmoy reprising his role as Spock, Simon Pegg as Scotty, and even Tyler Perry getting into the action. A bit of bad news, while the first teaser trailer and posters for this film showed its original release date, December 25, 2008, on February 13th, Paramount Pictures pushed the film to May 8th, 2009, so it would have less competition and be a summer blockbuster contender. That's all for now. I'm Red Shirt Girl, and this has been your Track Movie Update.
0: The fifth part of our podcast is the Fleet Plot Update. Here are the things that happened in January and February on the Galaxy List. The Fleet Plot is progressing as more turmoil and tension begins to build in what is now Phase 2 of the Romulan War. As we begin the year, not much was known about the Romulans or their goals. Captain McKenzie had gathered some intel and was on her way to relay it in person, leaving New Darwin Colony to temporarily visit Earth. She was traveling on the ESS Eagle, which was attacked. The motives and identity of the attackers are unknown at this time. The captain and some of her crew managed to take an escape shuttle and survive long enough to be rescued by the crew of the Valiant. Heard and comatose, Mackenzie was taken to New Darwin Colony for immediate treatment, then to Earth for expert care back on Earth and given the recent identification of Romulan involvement in the aggressive actions against the United Earth Government and the Coalition of Planets, Starfleet Intelligence takes steps to to improve their limited intelligence. Doing so begins on an installation on the border of Romulan space. This facility is believed to be providing Romulans with strategic planning and operations. Since key Romulan figures have been coordinating anti-coalition activities from this base, and the majority of recent activity has been traced back to there, it is the belief of Starfleet intelligence that confronting this installation would be in the best interests of national, international, and interstellar security. Confronting is a nice way of saying occupying, sabotaging, or any action or combination of actions that would further prohibit Romulan use, including destroying. To achieve this goal, a joint operation between Starfleet's sole defense division and the Mako's strategic operations group has been created. A small task force from the sole defense Team will coordinate the attack. One ship will carry a Mako detachment to board the installation and establish a foothold for the combined strength of the task force armory personnel. While the armory element secures the station, the Makos will probe for intelligence and make the final recommendation as to the fate of the installation. The Meridian, under the command of Commander Finney, is leading a task force toward the installation. The task force includes a soul-class ship, the Apollo, under command of Captain Joel Wesley, and two Venus-class ships riding shotgun. These ships are named the Venus and the Morning Star, under the command of Commanders Sagigeli and Brooks. Rear Admiral Batenberg fills in Commander Finney on the mission. Who then begins his work. Captain Mason is in charge of the Mako detachment and arrives on the Meridian, speaks with Finney and the Meridian Exo Katrina Davidson. Mason is in command of the 18 Mako soldiers. With plans set and the Meridian resupplied, the formidable task force leaves Space Dock for the mission and as yet untold adventures ahead. <laughs> The sixth part of our podcast is the Guerrilla Marketing Campaign. Now, the first era is a great collection of wonderful sims. Personally, I love it, and I hope you enjoy your time here as well. That being said, TFE needs your help to keep going and to keep growing. We need more people to join. In fact, that's true of every sim. Simply because of turnover and attrition, people leave. The circumstances vary, but the result's the same. The number of players goes down. So we need you to help spread the word about the first era. And we're going to talk about three ways to do that in this installment. For example, if every player could get just one friend to join we'd practically double overnight. So let's focus on talking to somebody we know, either online or in real life, and encourage them to check out TFE. Maybe they did so in the past, and their circumstances changed. They can perhaps come back and visit again. Now, advertising for The Sims must be done right. We don't want to annoy people by spamming their inbox or a favorite forum. Annoyed people will not join. In fact, they'll never even visit the site. So let's talk about what we can do. Now we already talked about talking to our friends. That's number one. Number two, let's use some social networking to our advantage. If you use Twitter, Pounce, Meebo, MySpace, Facebook, if you've got a blog, or anything similar, please mention sometime within March or April or beyond what's going on in TFE. You might mention the edition of the podcast, or you might mention what you're doing for your sim. Get the word going. Get the buzz going. On the application to join TFE, there's a question. Where did you find out about Starfleet the First Era? Make sure you mention that to your readers to tell them to put your name there. That will get you automatic entry into the contest we'll talk about in just a few minutes. So let's get some buzz going. The third thing we wanted to encourage you to do, if you don't seem to have any one of your friends who you think would be interested, or if you don't have any social networking experience, or you just don't have that as part of your life. There is still something else you can do. Take the time to do your best to improve the sim you're playing on. Whether that's the quality or quantity of your logs. If you want to help out with the web space. If you want to help out in any other feature of TFE. Making it stronger will make it more appealing to other people. Now, I mentioned a contest. <laughs> Our contest for this episode is related to the Guerrilla Marketing Campaign. So, after you've done your bit, send an email describing in 5 million words or less what you have done to advertise the First Era Podcast to bring in more players. Now again, if your name is included on an application of someone who actually joined, you're automatically entered into this contest. A winning entry will be selected to receive a prize. And no, the prize is not just a good feeling or lots of backup karma. It is a real, tangible prize that will be mailed to you. The winner will be announced in the next show, and the prize will be detailed. All entries should be sent to our official email address, which will be given in the next segment. In the next show, we'll have another contest, and yes, another prize.
1: Hi, this is Red Shirt Girl. You're listening to the First Era Podcast.
0: So, let's get to that contact information. Wow, you made it this far into the show. Good job. So, if you want to contact the show with comments, questions, trivia, contributions, or anything else, feel free to email the show at tfepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's tfepodcast at gmail.com. You can also call and leave audio comments on the voicemail line. It's not toll free. It's it's a United States of America phone number, so keep that in mind. For that being said, I'd love to hear from you. The telephone number is 206-350-1308, and even if you just call, say your name, who you play, what sim you're on, we'd love to hear that, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Oh, and I haven't forgotten, let's get to the trivia answer. What drink did Reed and Tripp share when they believed they would die? Bourbon. So that's the great drink to have when you think death is imminent. And if this podcast has driven you to drinking, well, don't worry, it'll only get better from here on out, especially with your help. All things Star Trek are registered trademarks of Paramount Pictures and their respective owners. No copyright violation is intended. This is a non-profit organization played, ran, and administered by Star Trek. This podcast is distributed on a Creative Commons, no commercial, non-derivatives, 2.5, share alike license. Which means, make copies, spread the word, share it, just don't change it, and don't try to sell it. This is Scott signing off, saying, live long and write faster. From January and February... January... The second... We also have from the various Sims. Ver- we'll start with Forrest War or War, Starfleet and Lieutenant Starfleet Intelligent. As yet on all things Star Trek are regist- all things Star Trek are registered trademark all things Star Trek.